welcome to the Actage Podcast. I am your host, Vlord GTZ, and with me today I have my usual co-hosts, Marion and Sakaki. What's crackalack? Hey, what's up, people? Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- this is uh, our second episode of the Actage Podcast, and uh, today we're going to actually talk about the manga itself. Chuck and awe. <laughs> I mean, we did talk about the manga in episode one. I guess like in a, in a less broader perspective, because today we're going to be talking about the first six chapters of the Taiga drama arc. I'm really interested to see the cocky's thoughts actually, because as we established, he is not caught up, but was willing nope. to <laughs> dip in to see what it's like. Yeah, I'm interested in that too, because like, Sakaki's basically skipped like not not a hundred chapters, but like a good amount of chapters, and a lot's happened since uh, around volume three. So I- I'm curious, Sakaki, uh, were you able to at least follow everything that was going on? I mean, it helped. So we discussed this at length in the last episode, but Actage has this very very deliberate sense of pacing. So yeah. granted, of course, there's n- this is. N- in no way like a new beginning <laughs> so there were some things i'm kind of like okay uh, i don't get this but that that's on me <laughs> but uh it felt it didn't feel like it was it, it's a new arc so it there wasn't a whole lot of sense of just kind of like me lingering or meandering things that were like okay uh, I'd have to go back a couple chapters to understand this. But definitely reading over these chapters, I did kind of get more of appreciation over in in regards to Yonagi and uh, his name just escaped me. Kuroyama? <laughs> yeah, Kuroyama. Asumiji. Like, I definitely got more of appreciation of their, their relationship, which will be interesting when I go back and start reading back where I left off. Because at least in the first couple of the I mean the first three volumes it's like he sees her talent and she see you know she res- I, I hesitate to say respects but at least she kind of like they they have this working relationship I guess so that's a thing but it, it feels like in these at least in the first of this the set of chapters chapter 113 it feels like uh Yonagi's kind of getting a sense of sort of respect for him like actual respect rather than just like i mean i guess like i mean this guy you know he's okay i suppose she seems to be really interested in him as a director which i found you know that was interesting to me so i would definitely want to know what led to this what led to her kind of opinion somewhat changing um, on him not to say it's a 180 that she went from hating him to liking him but it's just kind of like okay Something happened along the way, you know, to make her think, okay, wait, I've been working with this guy so long, I don't really know much about him. So I want to see one of his movies. So I guess my question would be, without as best you can without spoiling, how much has he kind of figured in since Volume 3? Because he's been sort of hands-off. Like, he's said things to, he's talked to K, uh, Yonagi once in a while, and said at least the little bit I've read. But he hasn't been, like, super, like, Okay, you need to do this, this, and this. I'd say, like, that's kind of remained mostly the same. Because, like, in the Galactic Railroad arc and uh, Princess Iron Fan arcs, 
he's kind of still in like that more kind of overseeing role rather than an active role. Especially since Yonagi starts working with a lot of other people. Like, he's still guiding her, but he's not necessarily always there with her. It's kind of just kind of like a distant mentorship of sorts, I guess is the best way to put it. In terms of like how he's like shown up in the story, it's really not that much. But like okay. the bits and pieces that we have gotten, it's like it just it it makes sense for like those specific moments. And I think that once you have like that that tiny bit of context, it'll still like click for you because it's just like, oh yeah, this is what I needed to make okay. sense of like why why their relationship has changed in this form. Plus, like despite the role that he's in, he's still technically involved in the narrative in a like meaningful way like he is still guiding yonagi's career and like the choices and like the acting roles that she's taking on are being made possible because of koreyama's like connections and what he thinks will be the best way to enhance her acting and like refine her current skill set so like like guiding her growth yeah definitely okay yeah, like, and again, as anybody listening, I'm definitely not trying to suggest that they've, like, totally changed. It's still very, you know, like it's still very much her own person, and, you know, you can definitely tell that she's not, although Sweetie's kind of, like, guiding her from the shadows, like, not being, he's being very hands-on, and, you know, she's still very much her own person, which I like that, too, but I do like the fact that especially with 100 chapters under its belt, that it's now, you know, I definitely get the idea that if Yonagi's just now saying, I need to go see this guy's movie, that the chapters before this have been pretty eventful. Like, there's been no sort of sense of lying down, or especially since you said there are how many arcs? Two? Well, three. There's, like, three major arcs, but there's, like, smaller, like, stories in between, too. Okay, so and you're not. This is only Act Dodge's second year. We're just kind of we're, yeah, we're just starting the second year. So it this definitely is, feels uh, like third year, I think, starting third year. Oh yeah, yeah, no, no, Whew. yeah, no, you're right, you're right. I mean, we're we're we passed the second year. Now we're into the third. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're absolutely yeah. right. But yeah, so that that was interesting for me as well just to know that okay and now talking to you guys i realize there's a whole lot that went on you know between now and then yeah but i guess before we go further in i did want to briefly mention just some small tidbits of actage news that have uh, happened recently just so that we are talking about all the different aspects of actage and like how it's growing um so the first thing i wanted to mention is that there is a survey by anime anime where they asked like what manga or series that they like people wanted to get adapted into anime and actage ranked number one in it so yay actage people like actage hooray (laughs) (laughs) i'm so excited (laughs) oh wait i'm looking at this list i actually know like most of these titles yeah most of them were like pretty recognizable titles like uh I think Apothecary Diaries is on there, Spy Family, Mao. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, like, I mean, I'll admit, you know, I, I saw um, the Shonen Jump account, unofficial Twitter, kind of tweeting out the results for, you know, Shuisha, Shuisha. So I started doing them for um, Sunday as well. So that was my first time actually looking at the list. Because, <laughs> and then, yeah, you got Zero's Tea Time, you've got 
Shara's uh, daily life, Orient, Comey, stuff like that. So yeah, a lot of them are, generally speaking, if you know a little bit about manga, these are like super popular titles, which is interesting to think about it, that even in Japan, we like a lot of the same things. (laughs) And honestly, probably all of them are going to get anime at some point pretty soonish, I'd assume. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't see any of these like not getting an anime i mean there's also a second side to it which actually i think we, we talked about this in private that yeah and its rankings are all really kind of weird too so but anyway yeah that so act dodge not it oh yeah yeah and of course it taking number one is pretty impressive but aside from that uh one of the recent issues of shonen jump showed off the volume 12 cover which is Chiyoko in her Princess Iron Fan costume, and it looks beautiful, as you'd expect. Good. I really love, like, the background that they use for it, too. Like, I don't think we've had that type of, like, overlay for an Octage volume yet. So it definitely sticks out, but it's Chiyoko, so you gotta make it fancy. Only the best. I actually, I'm looking at it now. I actually hadn't seen it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it looks really nice. No, it looks really, really nice. The fact that Chiyoko, I mean, I, I didn't have any doubt that she wouldn't be, that she'd, like, not be around, but I also kind of thought, oh, well, I remember reading it, I'm like, obviously, since she's still in, like, character polls and everything like that, because I remember there was one recently, she's still in the story, but I also kind of felt like, it wouldn't be too weird if she just kind of wasn't. She definitely disappears for a little while, but the the most recent arc that just finished up, like she was a huge player in that. Okay, yeah, that that's that's the kind of like feeling I got. I was like, okay, I could see her kind of like stepping back, and then it's Yonagi's turn, and then she comes back in the big rival role. Am I right? Yeah, so she she's still like in a rival role, and I think uh, the last arc really kind of made it hit like a new peak. And it, it, it's interesting the ways that they explore Chiyoko's character. Like, I thought, like, a good chunk of her character had already been explored in Death Island, but they really pushed, like, past those limits and really did something great with her character. Oh, you got me wanting <laughs> to catch up. So, because, like, one thing I I feel like what got me into Act Age, Act Dodge, was, I mean, of course, Yonagi and Sumiji's relationship, but... It's just, Chiyoko just has, let's just, she has one of the best, like, debuts in a jump manga I've seen in a long time. Like, she, I mean, for a series about acting, and they did a great job of this, is she set a scene (laughs) when she she showed up for the first time in the series. And that's why I was like, okay, now this series might be something special. But, so I'm really glad to see that she, and I agree with V-Lord, it felt like her character arc had peaked. So, what do you do now? So now I'm really anticipating seeing her again. Shoutouts to the Bible for creating angels. (laughs) (laughs) The biggest shoutout right there. Yay, God. (laughs) I wonder when your nug is going to play Jesus. Oh, God. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) I'm sure she'd do a better job than Emma. Just kidding. Anyone would do a better job than Emma, let's face it. Oh, no. Anyways, before the Neverland fans kill us, yeah, uh, I'm sipping off Mike. I I didn't say anything, guys. <laughs> I didn't say anything. <laughs> that's our that's our promise. Neverland quote of first. 
for the episode. <laughs> so Octage Volume 12 will probably be out by the time this episode comes out. It comes out on July 3rd. Um, so if you can read it in Japanese and want to pick it up, definitely pick it up. I believe it uh, covers basically the ending of the Princess Iron fan arc. So those are uh, some really good chapters right there. I will probably pick it up. And the last thing we're going to mention is that there's going to be a Princess Iron Fan stage play reception online poll where readers can vote between the two different teams from the Princess Iron Fan arc. Side A, which was Yonagi's team, and Side B, which is Chiyoko's team. That's really funny. Yeah, so they're doing the exact poll that they did in the, uh, in the series. So that's really cool. And that poll will run from July 3rd to July 10th. So yeah. Okay. Definitely get in on that if you're into... I I didn't... I, I unfortunately missed my chance to vote the other poll, even though I saw V-Lord and Marion voting. I should have, but that was back when I hadn't read much of the series. So I didn't want to be a poser. But this one I'll probably try to get in on. Marion, who did you vote for in the character poll? I voted for Chioko. Okay, I also voted for Chioko. Yeah, I remember this. <laughs> I remember me. <laughs> it was tough. I was really tempted to vote for Hanako, because Hanako was so good in the last arc. But... Yeah, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I voted for Hanako. Okay, Lum vo- voted for Hanako. Because, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know who this is. I don't know. I can't wait till I get this far. <laughs> she has such like a normal sounding name, but she, clearly she's left a, pre- a like a lot of present. Uh, she's left an impression on you guys. <laughs> she's a Chad. Oh my! When Velour uses that word, <laughs> but no, no, no. Hanako is a very good character. Really, there aren't many bad Actage characters at all. So like, you can never go wrong with that. There are no bad actors on this stage, huh? <laughs> yeah. That, that is actually a very accurate analogy. Yeah, so now that we're done with the news, let's just talk about this fun bundle of chapters that make up the beginning of the Taiga drama arc. Chapters 113 to chapter 118. I, I wish I had been more prepared or else I would try to explain what a Taiga drama is. <laughs> but I feel like the, the series does, like do a pretty decent job of explaining that but does any is anybody here familiar with it with a taiga drama not at all yeah so like a taiga drama is like a year-long like historical drama and like it's generally like regarded as like a super like high quality like prestigious type of drama in japan and it generally runs for like a year so like that's why like in the series like earlier they're mentioning how it has a very long production time and it's because like so much goes into actually making these. So like the fact that Yonagi is going to be in one is kind of a big deal. So what you're telling me is that Japan makes Mad Men every year? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Pretty wild. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, it's like what said and i mean honestly i learned most of what i know about uh taiga dramas from gintama <laughs> only because sorachi kind of like attributed the success of the series for their like when gintama started i think there was like a shinsengumi taiga drama running like 
basically Sriracha being kind of the defeatist he is was like, yeah, my mom really did well because there was a tiger drama. That's over. So Kintan's probably going to get canceled. <laughs> of course that didn't happen, but, <laughs> but yeah. So, but what Vilor said is very true. So these are kind of very prestigious type things. So for Yonagi to be in one, it's a big deal. Yeah. And they're also broadcasted on NHK. Indeed. NHK is like the premier channel in Japan as well. They're like BBC. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good analogy. I've I've got stuff that's not jokes, <laughs> <laughs> but the jokes are what we expect. I mean, the jokes are predictions. Of course, you have something. Yeah, predictions. The, the predictions that end up being true. Who's gonna die in Akdaj, Marion? You gotta tell us right now. Yonagi. <laughs> no. <laughs> Chiyoko's gonna end up being the main character. But yeah, so um. But the first couple of chapters, at least, are, um, as mentioned earlier, uh, Yonagi is interested in seeing some of Sumiji's films, because she hasn't. So, it begins with that. Yeah, and, like, initially, like, she's just kind of, like, hanging out with, like, her former uh, Death Island friends, and just, like, talking about, like, her curiosity about Kuriyama, and then they try to, like, actually find, like, one of Kuriyama's films, but... Because, like, Kuriyama's stuff is not super popular in Japan, like, despite him being a well-renowned director, a lot of his, like, fame is, like, international fame. So, like, in Japan, like, it's harder to find his films, so Yonagi ends up kind of not being able to find any of them. But luckily, Kuriyama decides to just take her to a screening of one of his films, Tom Popo. So, okay, first things first. Sumiji, Sunitro Watanabe confirmed. I was just about to, oh my god! Oh my, it was on the tip of my tongue. I was just about to say, so he's, so you're saying he's fictional Watanabe is what you're, what you're trying to tell me. Because that's exactly him. Like, if for anybody who doesn't know, well, people probably know Sunitro Watanabe because he's popular here. He's the bebop guy and the shampoo guy. So, like, yeah, in Japan, his stuff is like, eh. I mean, bebop is pretty. I would say Bebop's pretty, has endured pretty well, but yeah, like everything after that's been kind of more popular in America than Japan. So, but yeah, Marion just stole and sniped me. It, it felt good <laughs> to be sniped though. Cause I was just, that was on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> and the second thing is, uh, fucking, that's a real movie, but <laughs> obviously like it's, it's not the same one as the one in the Tom Popo in real life. So I find that interesting. Sometimes I wonder if uh, if there's more like real life inspiration than we than we realize just uh, out of virtue of being like a Western audience that so we're not in, with like pop culture as much in Japan. But uh, yeah, there's a real movie called Tampopo that came out in like 1985. Yeah, yeah. I actually, well, I read about it when I was reading the chapter like last week, but a lot of the details are like they're not in my mind. I'm not. I'm not remembering them, but I did, like, is that an actual, and I think, like, I don't know if it was because of Act Dodge, or if it was just, you know, very serendipitous timing, but I remember seeing, like, Japanese people talking about it, Yeah, and I, and I, and I forgot, and like I said, I feel like there might be, like, either some kind of re-release or something else like that going on with it. Maybe it's, like, a Criterion. But uh, I know that it's a de- it's a very different movie from the one that uh, uh, Kuriyama did, uh, just like in terms of like what it's about and stuff. 
okay. Yeah, I mean, Kuriyama's version of Tampopo definitely seems pretty out of the box. It's kind of portraying just a woman going about her everyday life. And at the end of, like, the film, you can tell that, like, most of the audience was just, like, super confused. Yeah, that was something I found interesting. Like, because, again, you, you would think with the way that um, Kuriyama portrayed in the series that people would be... I guess one thing that surprised me was the fact that the the whole chapter ended, you know, the whole movie ended with people being, like, amazed by this. And I feel like in any other manga, they would be like, oh, you know, he's, like, super, you know, he's, like, a super great director, and it would just, you know, show Yonagi's, like, renewed interest in oh, okay, I have to rise to the occasion and, you know, be somebody that can act in one of his movies. But instead, it's just kind of like, everybody's like, what was that? What did we just watch? <laughs> and I found, and I was kind of interested, and I liked that, that that's how that ended because, it, first of all, it was just really surprising. And second of all, it was just this idea of just, like, as Muji says a few times, which is, like, it's very subjective. Yeah, and, like, as we see with Yonagi, like, Despite everyone else kind of being kind of confused about it, she's really taken aback, especially just from the actress herself that's being portrayed in the film. Like, she mentions, like, she wasn't acting. And, like, it it definitely feels, like, so true to life that it kind of just captivated her. And, like, Yonagi asks Kuriyama when, like, he's finally going to let her work with him. And, like, he mentions kind of his ambition to make his dream film that he mentioned at the end of the last arc. And he says like, Yonagi has one final trial left and it's to audition for a certain part. And we learn that this part is for a Taiga drama. Now I do remember that you guys were telling me, I believe it was on last week's show or just in private that now the, it's not that Act Dodge is definitely in its ending stage, but now we have kind of a finish line. So reading through this, I got to see that, and I was just like, oh, okay. So this is what they yeah. were talking about. Yeah, so it, it definitely seems like, at, le- at least for me, like, the end game is Koryama's film, and there's probably going to definitely be obstacles before that, but that seems like where everything is headed at this point. Which makes sense, like... You know, obviously, you wouldn't expect to like her first thing to be is in one of his movies. And I, and I'm, I mean, well, I guess in the Shonen tradition, it would be it would have been interesting if like she was cast as an extra and worked her way up to being an actress. But I kind of like that she hasn't like she hasn't been in one of his movies yet. Yeah, like the closest they've really done is like the music video that helps like popularize Yonagi at one point. But yeah, like. That's the thing, like, going back to kind of Yonagi and Koryama's relationship is that despite how much Koryama does for Yonagi, he has been, like, very cryptic about, like, his ambitions until now. Like, the fact that it's taken this long to really see, like, what is his kind of end goal with all of this? Why is he helping Yonagi so much is kind of a telling factor in that. But it also kind of makes him interesting because the fact that you don't know so much about him just kind of makes that more alluring in a way it's funny because kuriyama acts like a fucking like a final villain (laughs) (laughs) he's been around from the start but also like you know the last arc is going to involve his him and like you don't know what the hell he's doing he's like freaking he's like he's like the boss of part five 
Oh my god. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but better? In every conceivable way, yes. No, it, oh. it, that's that's so that's so I, I you know, I mean, I guess last week with, with my Haikyuu like comparison, you're on mark with that because he does kind of come off like this shadowy villain or everything like that, or like the mentor that's like slowly guiding the hero towards something, but we don't know what it is <laughs> or when it's gonna when he's gonna finally launch his master plan. And it turns out the whole time the protagonists thought they were acting for themselves, they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> you thought you were acting for yourself? <laughs> Fool. You've been <laughs> you've been trapped this whole time. <laughs> In my infinite genjutsu. I mean like or or he's gang. Right. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so my final movie is actually a video game that you must it's a VR MMO that you must like never nah. <laughs> I, mean, I would actually get mad if, if it's something like that. <laughs> Instead of Death Island 2, it's Greed Island. <laughs> wait, wait, it has to be with, like, initials that, uh, have, like, this. <laughs> oh, no. So, right. so one thing, so one thing I did want to say, though, um, art-wise, I mean, because we can, we, we all have to bow and praise Izaki's art, is the is the page where they're at the movies and Yonagi's like, it's just a movie about a lady. It's everyday life. I love this two page spread where we never, like, it bent like it's Yonagi looking at the movie and I'm trying my best to, to describe it here. And it's kind of like one big panel that bends around the audience. Oh, the fisheye. Yeah. Fisheye. Like, there we go. Ugh. There we go. But yeah, the fisheye angle. And then like, of course, Uzaki, we know, the whole reason why got, she got this job is how she draws um, pretty girl's eyes, and she she lives up to that. <laughs> but it's not even just the artwork here that gets me, but it's just that um, you know, Nagi's um, inner monologue as well, where she where she is realizing, whoa, this movie isn't of the norm, and it's she's she's kind of like retrospectively realizing a bunch of things about this movie, which is kind of like usually how movies go, which is like, you're not thinking about in the moment. You're probably just like, okay, good movie, you know? And then it's only when you afterwards that you really realize, wait a second, that you come back to yourself and you really think about it. And I just like that. They gave this, this, this realization of hers, a two page spread. I feel like in another manga, it would have been just been like a couple of panels or maybe a one page, but two pages for this. So and I and I just really love this page, or set of pages, I should say. Yeah, and I would say like a lot of the composition is pretty conservative in terms of just like, like panel size. Uh, it's nothing really special, but uh, it gets the job done, especially with like uh, just in this like okay, uh, in that spread, like you get a, a close up from the side of Yonagi's eyes staring at the, screen, and then the the fish eye right below it, and then when you when we like flip to like the front and you see like the reflections off her eyes with the, the light and stuff and then zooming out it's just it's very simple but effective when uh you see like the monologue because like once we like zoom out and we uh we just see her sitting down that's when she says like oh it was it wasn't until after the credits that i noticed we saw the face because then like up to that point like the, the stuff that we see of her like watching are mostly like from one angle or like obscured it doesn't show her whole face at once and then it's just like boom when she realizes that's when we do Naki's entire silhouette. Yeah, no, because you have to remember too, and 
Hathodge, as much as it is a jump manga, is still not an action manga. So I like that Uzaki, in one sense, it is because they don't have the, they, of course, they do have the big flashy panels, you know, for effect. But in a chapter like this, where it is really just a bunch of dialogue and the characters talking back and forth, you know, you could say it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be unfair for them to hand in a story bow It's like, it's just two people talking. We don't really need to, we can phone this one in, take a break this week. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can clock in, but not do anything. <laughs> but, yeah. Usazaki just draw a stick figure this week. <laughs> but no, like even in a chapter like this, the artistic way that, um, Yonagi's, uh, realization is portrayed leaves just as much as an impression as the movie left on her, which I think is important because if the artwork didn't kind of match up to her realization, then I feel like to some extent what the realization was would have been lost on us, the reader, because we're not, we obviously aren't going to see the whole movie unless they decide to animate it, which would be interesting or, you know, act it out. But we're not seeing the whole movie. We're not seeing the whole picture. So all we have is how the characters react to it. Definitely. Yeah, it sells the moment. Yeah, it does. And the fact then, you know, it goes on to say, too, that Yonagi even says, she says she's glad she got to experience this movie today. You know, which even that moment in this chapter and Sumiji's reaction to it. Like, I, I like that when she says that, I like the very next page where we have a zoom in of his looks kind of bored like there's a whole bunch of like understated reactions both you know some uh, overt reactions and understated ones that i really like that the story kind of throws us uh throws us a left uh, it, you know kind of throws us no i'm the the term I'm, it's, it's it, it throws us a curveball like you and some of the things i mean especially for me who's read a bunch of stuff that's led up to this it did surprise me in just how things played out. And, and in some ways it didn't so much because Sumiji Sumi doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would just be like, yeah, man, you know, popping off his collar. Like uh, I made a badass movie. <laughs> <laughs> he just didn't seem like that kind of guy anyway. So in some ways I was like, okay, yeah, I can kind of see him being like, Oh, he liked it. It was shit though. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a three out of 10. That was actually my shittiest movie. <laughs> that was actually my shittiest movie. Rotten Tomatoes, be damned. <laughs> he writes his own but, review on Rotten Tomatoes. He's like, don't <laughs> ris- listen to these critics, they're wrong. But it's your movie, yeah, and I know that it sucks. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he's, he's acting, he acts bored, like, oh, okay, well, you liked it. But at the same time, he's, like, happy? Because, like, he his reaction to it is like, you know, I was, you know, I'm glad you liked it. Because I want you to be in my movies, I was afraid showing you a movie, and, and I kind of like that side of you a little bit, which is that he had that kind of vulnerability, or he thought maybe maybe that was part of the reason why he waited until she was actually curious to see his movies. Because you would think as a director, one of the first things that they'd say is like, "Hey, watch my movie, you know, get to know who I am," which wouldn't be, you know, uh, strange. But the fact that he's been kind of just hmm, until. Yonagi actually said, I want to see a movie. That's when he brought her out to one. I, I kind of like the idea of him just being like, oh, I don't really want to see movies because she hates it. I really want her to be in my movies, but if she sees one and doesn't like it, that's going to be awkward. It's awkward. <laughs> and again, I like the fact that his reaction to everything is just very understated. 
Yeah, I'd say overall, it's it's definitely one of the more, like, captivating chapters of Actage in, like, recent memory. Just, like, despite it not being, like, super high stakes like some of the previous chapters have been, like, it really just does so much to really kind of immerse you in, like, the story and, like, just the experience that you're not seeing here. So that that was really cool. Yeah, I think I like the, the fact that it's very understated. Uh... When you have a like a personal moment like that, but there's not a lot of like overreaction. Uh, it's just people having a conversation. That's what makes it stand out. Which I guess was what Zakaki was trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Way less words. <laughs> <laughs> not my intention. <laughs> but uh, moving on, at the beginning of the next chapter, chapter one fifteen. We see uh, Yonagi's actually asking Arisa Hoshi for advice. Something that, uh, honestly, if you had told me at the beginning of the series, I would have never expected. And they're, like, Yonagi's asking Arisa, like, a guaranteed, like, way or method to, like, pass an audition. And Arisa just kind of straight up says, like, there's no real thing like that. And, like, like, says that, like, they aren't, like, a graded test. You can't really compare them to any sort of, like, uh, objective qualifications because every different professional is going to have their own view on an actor. Like, acting is kind of a subjective medium in that way. So, like, Yonagi has to prove that, like, she is what the auditioners want for the role. And that leads her to doing a... An interesting thing in this audition. Yes. This was so <laughs> Yo, Nagi, cool. Yonagi went crazy with this. She, she wowed for this one. Yeah. That was so cool. Like, I didn't I didn't see that coming at all. Like, oh, wow. And the way that the manga frames it, too. Like, it, it is genuinely surprising when it all goes down. I find this shit... Re- I, okay, wait. Can I just say, like, I find it really funny... How when we see like the the other three girls and they all get introduced, and you see like the one uh uh Asaga, uh okay hold on, or she was introduced last chapter whatever I don't remember black hair she's just like <laughs> the way that it goes with like the introductions and then like uh them like doing the scene straight up and it's just like oh she's already she's already in Kaioken mode like uh she, she like <laughs> she brings out the tears and then <laughs> it's like what you can cry on command. And then uh, the other person is just like, oh, wow, this one has the presence of, like, Riku Ogami. <laughs> kind of contender. And it's really funny because it's like, I can just imagine, like, the the way that the, the not, that's not the director, right? But, like, the cast casting producer, um, the way that he's just, like, observing everyone, it's just as, like, understated as, like, Kuroyama in the last chapter. But I cannot help but like read this in like a shonen, like uh, like a narrator voice where it's just you know the next time with Dragon Ball Z, and it's just like like this kind of shit is so funny. Like I know it's not intentionally funny, but it's just um, the way it's presented. It feels very like very battle shonen in that sense that we were talking about last time, uh, where it's just like you see like stuff escalating, and at, at one point like uh, all four of the girls are like facing each other, and like they're all, 
They're not ad-libbing. They're fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I was reminded of like the Hunter Hunter narrator. Like you have all these people with their special powers and they're just like all kind of emoting these different styles of acting. Like it's a freaking fight. I I did. And like V-Lord saying that just makes me think, I mean, I was, that's how I thought. I thought exactly Hunter Hunter and like with when like towards the end, I was just thinking of how, you know, with the 2011 um adaptation how they start playing hunting for your dream and that was in my head why did you start acting before the audition started <laughs> but if this is hunter hunter then yonagi is definitely the crollo in this situation God. <laughs> i was gonna say that like that's probably um, Tamaki. She's either like Krolo or Jane. I guess. Or sorta. like, yeah, I don't know. But like, it, it's just it's just kind of funny just because like she's the one who pointed it out. Um, I get like fucking like Jotaro and Dio vibes like, oh, are you approaching me? I have to approach you if I want to get like if I want to punch you in the face or some bullshit like that. Oh like, my God. I'd have to act. I'd have to uh, I'd have to play a lot of different characters so I can act you yeah i love that like ren tamaki is just like in the room like just watching all this and like the the judges at one point are like why why are you even in here like go away (laughs) don't question it don't question it (laughs) exactly like she just like she's not wanted (laughs) at her home (laughs) i mean this is for her and she's not wanted there which i kind of find interesting (laughs) I mean, if it were up to her, she would just play her teenage self. Yeah, so. that's what she said. She just straight up said, listen, I would do it, but, you know, <laughs> y'all, y'all ain't ready for it. So. I mean, when, I, she, when I read that, I thought that was so funny. I was like, oh, so she just wants to be like Tupac hologram. <laughs> <laughs> she wants oh, that, like, th- that digital touch-up. <laughs> yeah, just making me look like a teenager. Yeah, Yonagi's just going ham here, showing off all these kind of different, like, personalities and, like, acting techniques she can use. And, like, they have, like, a little, like, a backstory montage in chapter, like, 116, where, like, she's actually getting advice from Arya, which makes sense, because Arya is, like, the chameleon actor. So, like, she's basically, like, taking what Arya said about, like, trying to imitate like different people as much as possible in like every kind of different like situation and really trying to understand the people like around her. And like, she uses this one girl in her class with glasses as a, as like an example. And like, she literally just starts like stalking this girl. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like, uh, Yonagi, that's not exactly uh legal. I mean, it isn't, but can you, can you really, can you really deny the results though? <laughs> it worked, but it, I mean, and, and I and I again, of course, somebody who's just coming in for the uh, you know, after a huge gap, it is interesting again to see you know, it, it, it's like what Mir- Miriam was saying, like, like if this were a battle manga, this would be like Yonagi's Nen, <laughs> like the way that this whole like chapter was you no. Know, like was presented it wasn't a thing that she just kind of observed a girl for uh, you know in class a little while she's like okay i got this i think i can be her 
No, it was a very dedicated thing where she's following her around, getting to know her habits and all this stuff. And yeah, I mean, it kind of plays to what Vilor was saying. It, it's it kind was, of it was Gold versus Hisoka in the Hunter Exam. <laughs> oh <my laughs> yeah, exactly, it was <laughs> like hiding it, her it, present. Exactly, it was it, it was exactly that because it wasn't a thing where like I mean, with Gold versus like with Gold hunting Hisoka. In another manga, that would have just been like gone like once or you know, kind of yeah, you know, we have like half a chapter where he falls in like, Okay, I think I got it. But it was a very kind of what made that payoff great was the fact that Togashi went through the whole motions of gone, like, you know, failing at first and being like, Okay, oh, okay, that didn't work or whatever. I mean, of course Onagi didn't fail per se, but she had like she went through a lot to get to where she was. So the payoff of being able to go to this audition and pretty much fool everybody, <laughs> like it, it felt earned, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love like the, on like uh chapter 116, like page seven, like you see Yonagi trying to imitate other people in her class. And it's just so funny. Like she's trying to be like lazy, irritated, like you can really see like all like the different personalities she's trying to like absorb. And then at one point, like uh, one of the judges is just like, how many like different like characters can you do? And like, Nagi's like 12, but each has different faces. So maybe more like 30. You literally see her, her, her Nen aura. (laughs) (laughs) She's even one upping Sensui now. The Sensui 7? Screw that. We have the Onagi 30 now. <laughs> oh my god. We're just trashing the fuck out of Togashi's work and it's kind of amazing. That's so... Oh my god. <laughs> and and she, the way she, Onagi says it, it's, like, it's not quite smug, but it's got that kind of shonen aura like, oh, oh it's that's thought, smug. Her freaking face in the panel too. Like, it's not her normal face. It's like... She's putting on a personality just to say how many different personalities she has. <laughs> That's what I mean. That, like, it's smug, but it's not you know, Unagi smug. It's definitely like, uh, yeah, I picked this up. Yeah. I mean, I could do smug. Look, I'm doing smug right now. But it has this shown aura of just <laughs> like, <laughs> it has this shown aura of just like, in another manga, it'd be like, the good guy takes out, or a character just defeats somebody else, and you're like, that was so fast. It's like, oh, that was fast? Man, I mean, I was hungry. I really wanted to. I could have taken him out, like, before he even got in the ring. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this next line that she says is just so freaking shonen. Like, and if 30 isn't enough, I'll make it 100, and if that's not enough, I'll do 1,000. <laughs> It's like she she's ready to just like take all the characters and just like put them inside. It reminds I mean, me of a- Yu-Gi-Oh. There's a card <laughs> called like Manju of the Thousand Hand, and then there's like there's one. It's it basically like you summon it and you get like a ritual card. I think just add it to your hand or whatever. But then there's like Manju of the Ten Thousand Hands, and like it lets you select a, a ritual monster or a, a spell card or whatever. And it's just like Yonagi's just like. I'll just keep on stepping it up. <laughs> and she's like, fucking, come on, step it up. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. We, we, we put this down so much, but it just bears repeating. This is a shonen jump. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, th- there's just, 
it might be about acting and sure you're not going to get you know actual fist fights though i feel like at some point we are going to get like a movie where she has it yeah i mean she had like a bit of fighting in the last arc okay so see there you go I'm (laughs) (laughs) i'm not wrong I'm I'm down with that. But yeah, no, like, it's not the traditional sort of thing, but it is very much. This is a Shonen Jump manga. Because, like, you take all this dialogue, you don't don't have to tweak it that much and put it in a battle manga, and it wouldn't really seem that out of place. Okay, we gotta go put Yonagi in Hunter x Hunter. Clearly. You know, we gotta gotta add a Yu Yu Hakusho where she's, like, the main villain She's like the secret 14th prince of Kakin. Oh, no. Oh, no. Her name power is actually like the, the clone clone fruit, but... Oh, my then, God. And now we're just doing all the Shonen Jump manga. <laughs> but, yeah, no, this is just... It's really amazing just to see and just to see, like, Yonagi just... I guess you're, again, from my point of view, as somebody who hasn't read that much, it's just the idea that Nagi it has come to this point where she's very, what about this? I won't say comfortable, because I think she's always been kind of comfortable with her ability, with her acting ability, but it is interesting to see her like this, where it's like, it just comes natural to her, where before it was just kind of like, she, I, I can't believe you're going to go back to Shonen Maga Tropes, but like, in another sh- in a fighting manga, it'd be like the character can use that power once a day, <laughs> and only after like extraneous effort. It's like Gohan, <laughs> like tapping into yeah. his anger. <laughs> like he could do it only when he was like under a d- immense stress. But then like Goku pushed him to a point where he was like, okay, he got it. And then he got cocky and everything. I want that arc for Yonagi now. <laughs> Where she's like able to tap into any role, and then like he goes too far and becomes that person. <laughs> but it's just interesting to me to see her just like use her ability as like comfortable again, not comfortable. Is again, I guess yeah, smug is the best way of putting it. But she is kind of smug about it. It's definitely interesting too because you compare it to like her audition at the beginning of the series, like she had no control over over like how she really acted in her roles where now you can really see that she is like really kind of conscious of what she's doing. Yeah. There you go. And it's funny because Mary and I were talking about how I have, I have deep thoughts, but expressing them is hard. (laughs) But like, yeah, no, like that, that, that's exactly what I was trying to get at, which is this idea that she is much better. And I guess she too is getting much better at expressing herself. Crazy. Oh, I did a time skip. <laughs> Everybody just just shitting on every show that I love it. Yonagi needs no time skip. She is the time skip. <laughs> she can literally imagine the older start wrinkling up. Oh my god. <laughs> she, that's literally that's literally like something she did. There was a, there was a chapter you didn't read yet where <laughs> they literally told her like, "Oh no, this is a sports thing that you're supposed to drink after you're really tired." So then uh, she's like, okay, I'm going to go run a marathon. And they're like, wait, you know, you don't have enough time. She's like, okay, hold on. And then she ran like a marathon in her head. Oh, like she really yeah. imagined she was running for like two hours. And then she started sweating. I remember <laughs> I this. so fucking hard. Oh my God. Okay. I, I, the beeline that to catch up. So it was literally like, like, uh, 
two or three chapters, or maybe five chapters. Yeah, it was like the mini arc before this. Okay, I, I, I can definitely head back and hit that up, because that sounds great, and, and that just sounds very Yonagi. I love that she. I like. I just like the idea of her just being this acting goddess. And again, um, <laughs> she is like this acting goddess. And again, you know, the series is pretty good at um, showing that that there is a downside, there is a dark side to that. But at least for right now, I mean, it's worked in her favor. Yeah, definitely. Because all the other uh, people that are auditioning just basically give up. <laughs> yeah, that was the other thing. <laughs> I just was like, fuck it, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I found that really funny. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, even the one that didn't care about the audition is just kind of annoyed at this point. <laughs> it's like, Yonagi's just, like, made everyone jelly in, like, just a single moment. It's, it's Yeah, it so was like, good. no contest. Was <laughs> 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 that Smash Bros? Yeah, they, they pressed L, R, A, and start. <laughs> they all, I mean, yeah, it, it, that's not even that far off from what happened. They, 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 all gave, they, they all gave up, but it's like the Smash Bros. thing where, like, at the end of the match, they're, they're, everybody's still clapping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, like, they're all salty, but they all acknowledge that, okay, we did our I best, think, but um, we're just going to go home. <laughs> I think the, uh, what I just realized, because uh, Takaki just said, like, oh, yeah, she's, like, an acting goddess, but, like, it's still, like, enjoyable to read. I think the fact of the matter is that, like, because of, like, what we've seen from the start and, like, what kind of character she is, even though, like, she has, like, yeah, this innate talent or whatever, we, we brought this up, like, last episode, that, like, it's, it's like, a double-edged sword. And because of that, it's really hard to, like, see this as, like, a power fantasy, which is what, like, a lot of shonen like end up being in terms of like oh yeah the main character gets super strong or whatever and like uh it's just like something really easy to like oh self-insert and like you're like a you're like a god godly figure or whatever almighty etc but like yonagi is still like growing as a person and something that i really really enjoyed about this chapter was uh when uh the girl who auditioned or whatever she's like is this the real you now and she's like huh no, they're all the real me. And I'm just like, whoa, okay, good. Because then this, like, <laughs> she's, like, a- acknowledging the fact that, like, oh, yeah, like, she has all these personas or whatever that she she got from studying other characters, like, adding them to her repertoire as characters. But, like, she's still herself. Yeah. And, like, what makes people or humans so interesting is the fact that, like, you can have all these different facets and being able to be comfortable with all the different parts of you is what makes in my opinion, uh, makes people, like, mature. Or, like, it's what separates, like, being, like, a grown-up with, like, still, like, growing up. And I don't think she's, like, completely there yet, but, like, she... That's definitely progress uh, compared to when she would literally just use that, like, that acting, quote-unquote, power to, like, for just for, like, escapism and, like, ignoring, like, how terrible her life is. Yeah, that kind of goes back to what I was saying, where it was kind of, like, a thing where... She had this ability, but wasn't, I mean, I won't say so much she was unable to use it consciously, but wasn't using it consciously because it was only kind of like, it was an escape, there was a trigger to it. But now yeah. it's like a thing that she can turn on and off, which again, is like in the shown tradition where the, the character has this power up and they use it once and then can't. So the whole story becomes about 
use being able to use that ability on command. So uh, that <coughs> <again>. <laughs> yeah, like what used to be like Yonagi's like burden in a sense is like now more of a weapon to her, like in the acting industry. Yeah, exactly. So let's talk about how who taught. So let's go back to Tom Popo for. <laughs> yeah, that so... was. <laughs> and I like and now reading through the page. Well, so to set to give up the setup, like we we discussed it last uh we discussed it with the, in just now the last chapter where we saw this movie where it was just about a woman living her daily everyday life and we never saw her face. So we have a two-page spread again and I like who how Zaki is very generous with these. And then Yonagi's thinking back to the movie, and then she realizes that Ren is Tom Popo. Dun, dun, dun. And again, I mean, I could I could gush about the whole page, but I'm not going to. <laughs> but I just like the idea that, again, we're given just a few little panels. It's not like there's this whole thing where, you know, like, you can tell it's like Yonagi remembering, wait a second. And all we're seeing, I, I would- all... <laughs> she's like putting all the puzzle pieces together in her mind yeah exactly she just, she just assembled the millennium puzzle <laughs> <laughs> she's actually about to turn into Yami uh, K <laughs> I love like how like even like her eyes are like moving towards uh, Tama- Tamaki here cause like I don't know there's something really about like the positioning of the eyes that kind of really makes the panel stand out yeah, like just that glare, like it, it really kind of builds like this kind of like I guess like tension in a way. Definitely, like the first one to to turn around is Yonagi, but as she's doing that, she's remembering like scenes from the movie. And when I when I saw this this page, I was like, wait, did she just look at her her neck or like no? Wait, obviously she was turning around before that, but she's like the way the way I saw it, I was like, wait. She, she's like, oh, I, I'd recognize that sexy nape anywhere from that movie. <laughs> but she's like, oh, you're you're top of it. And then like, they make eye contact after she like turns around. That's what like that's what con- like connects them because like uh, the positioning of the eyes is really neat. Uh, like you were saying, like normally when it's like a really awkward angle to catch someone like turning around because you get both both of their eyes and like. They're not staring like at the, the ca- where the camera's set, but like it leads directly to like Tamaki's figure. And then if you if you go like obviously the next panel you read right after that is going to be on the the top left corner of the spread, and that's where they end up connecting. It's a good page. It's a very it's a very very unique and very well executed ex- um, composition with this page. Yeah, like you get a whole bunch of information over the two pages without wasting any time or you know your eyes drawn in and, and you're and you get to the focal point and everything and just this two-page spread and a lot of information is given to us without wasting any time or anything like that it's very again i'm, I'm probably going to say this on every episode at least once act at odds has very deliberate pacing and not just chapter wise but inside the chapters themselves <laughs> like I feel like if this had been overdrawn, then we would have been like, okay, yeah, we all figured this out already. But if it was too fast, it'd be like, it would have lost effect. But with this setup, that we got the slow case, slow realization, wait, hold on a second. 
you can actually kind of see it almost where she's turning her head like, hold on, I know you. You're, you're, you're Tom Popo, aren't you? And the fact that you get that, you know, Ren looking back, you know, I, I really like this. I really like this setup. And the fact that um, Ren is, I like that Ren doesn't miss a beat either. There's not this whole page of her coming to a like, how did she know? No, it's just, oh, yeah. So Sumiji showed you, huh? <clears throat> Which says a lot about her character, too. Like, throughout this whole chapter, she's been very, very kind of like, I guess if you want to, she's been very my pace. Like she shows up and everybody's like, go away. And she sticks around. And then even in this revelation for a movie that, you know, she wouldn't imagine anybody really went to go see, even when Yonagi's like revealed that, oh yeah, no, I saw it. She's like, oh. Oh, yeah, you did. That's nice. <laughs> That's literally her reaction. Yeah, but I think like the biggest thing in this interaction is uh, when Tamaki mentions Koriyama because <laughs> like you can immediately see when like she says like oh if I were 10 years younger I'd be by Sumiji's side now and like Yonagi just gives like a death stare it's amazing and of course yeah you gotta and of course I think Marion did mention it but it's like Ren Tamaki's challenging me are you are you are you approaching me it's like it's 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 that where it's Almost word for word. <laughs> a new challenger. Yeah, Smash Bros. And then, but but no, but but the, the JoJo in that page, just like you just, I want somebody out there to recreate that iconic page or that page. Do it. I know <laughs> with 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 the with the Twitter growing the way it is, some artist has got to be thinking about it. But now I'm giving you permission. <laughs> Do it. But yeah, as Vlord said, like the final page of this chapter is just like yeah. You know, you're nothing. You just you're just young. That's all you've got. And like she even mentions like the movie that Kuriyama wants to make and like she wants Kuriyama to regret not using her for the movie and like now make him like feel like, oh, I just have to settle for Yonagi now. Yeah, Ren wasn't available, so I fucked up. I guess you'll do. You're my civil medal. We went to the Yonagi dollar store. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I just and I mean of course there's the whole just on what's not said here. I mean what's not said throughout like a lot of the a lot of this arc, but it's said later. But like I like that Ren is the one character who just says what's on her mind. Uh huh. It's it's great. It's kind of refreshing and especially in this in like I mean Battle Manga yeah they usually do something. But I like one thing that we've been saying that age is like many other shonen manga the one thing i will say that it does differentiate in them is that a lot of things aren't i, I will say it, a lot of things aren't said like in the sense they're not overt like at least not to character to character like again there's a lot of i there's a lot of um you know nagi will say something and then the next chapter she'll like vent about it to her friends but then you have ren who's just very like yeah, no, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm going to make, I'm going to ruin your whole career. <laughs> it's especially interesting, too, because, like, the way she says it doesn't really come off with animosity, per se. It's just, like, her just yeah. straight up saying it, like, opening is like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to make uh, Koryama pay. And it's like, and uh, you're, you're, you're not going to be useless now. You don't matter, Yonagi. 
go to the trash can. <laughs> you know, no, no, nothing personal, kid. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what this is. And I like More that. Like um, personal, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like as we move into like the next chapter, and I, and I also kind of like too. Um, again, coming off of the earlier stuff that Yonagi is like a little bit more emotive. Like I like that she comes off as aloof, but everybody could read her like her book. And I kind of like that, especially for somebody that's supposed to be this great actor. Because like the, the next chapter begins, everybody knows she's pissed. <laughs> but she's like, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm good. It's okay. It's fine. But no, she was like, did something, you know, even Suji's like, did something happen? And, you know, um, God, is it Hiragi? Yeah, Yuki. Yeah, Yuki. Yeah. Like, um, like I just like this thing there. Like, it, it's been done a couple of times where, where she is. You know, people can, again, it's just this idea that even though K is this great actress, people are evil, able to easily read her. I kind of like that, like, dichotomy going on. <laughs> yeah, because she's not at work. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, she's not at work, sure, but it's like you would think. And that's in you would still think that some of that would come away with her, but the fact that oh, she yeah, is able yeah, yeah. to, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know she's, yeah. I know she's, she's off hours now, so she doesn't have to be, you know, a thousand faces, but it still feels like, it still feels like that there's more to her character than just being like, okay, I'm just actress and everything. That, okay, I switch it on and off, on and off, and everything. But I just like the idea that everybody just can read her this easily. I actually, yeah, I do appreciate that as well. Because I feel like it's a lot healthier than just, like, 24-7, like, being in some kind of role or whatever. Yeah, like, Yonaki just, like, straight up hiding her emotions all the time. Yeah. And it shows, like, a level of comfort that she has with people around her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That was, that was the next point I was going to make. It is that she's really comfortable. With people she's really comfortable around, she's an open book, which kind of even adds a different, another layer to her acting. And then I, and I also like this, like on page two of chapter 117, that Yuki is like, you know, she's they, Yuki's asking about Ren. And, you know, Yonagi's also sort of asking about Ren, but in a very Cinderella-ish way. And I like that, like, <laughs> Yuki just... Straight up says it. Oh God, she wants to ask him, but won't. <laughs> this is so annoying. Just, just ask, ask the question. <laughs> yeah, and Kuriyama's just like, "Oh right, Tamaki. Okay. Oh yeah, this food's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he Not, just... nothing wrong here. Yeah, no, I, I don't know oh, Tamaki. I, don't... I mean, we might have met in the hallways, but that's about it. I might have filmed something with her. No big deal. Just, just a yeah. drop in the pond. Yeah, she was Tom Popo, but like I barely, we barely interacted during. You know, you don't worry about it. This food, though, this food is the shit. <laughs> and I just like that. It, that just goes to Sumiji's character as well. And then, of course, and I just love that Kate just keeps going with the licensory thing. Like in the next page, she was like, you know, Sumiji's like, oh well, she's doing okay, I guess. That's good. It's like, oh, and, and like, Kate's like, oh, really? I don't care, though. Mm-hmm. Doesn't bother me one bit. And Yuki, again, is just like narrating. She's like the shonen narrator for this thing. Like, now she's trying to be cagey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One other thing to note on this page is that they like 
show like a few different like posters from Taiga dramas, and those are all actual Taiga dramas. Oh wow! Shit. Yeah. So uh, the Actage fan Twitter actually like listed them all off. So like, there's a uh, Kirin Gakuru, Iraten, Segodon, and Hanamoyu, and these are all pretty recent dramas. They're all ones that have aired within the past like five years. Oh neat. Ah. No, okay. I'm looking at it now. Hana Hana Moyo Moyu. Segodon. Um Idaten. Yeah. Wow. And the attention the attention to detail on these things too. Obviously that the Actage like Twitter was able to pick these out because they just you know they were just redrew them. Well, and then one obviously has Segodon on it, but... <laughs> yeah, like, Koreyama's, like, kind of just saying, like, how it's, like, a big deal that, like, Tamaki's starring in a Taiga drama. And, like, she's saying, like, it, it wasn't long ago that she was just a kid. <laughs> and Yonagi's just kind of sundere again about it. It's like, why not make a movie with her, then? Hmm? <laughs> it's not like I want to be in your stupid movie, Baka. <laughs> It's kind of funny because, like, I feel it's really easy to like. I, I don't. I don't want to say like. Mis- I really. I'm not even sure like what kind of vibe they're aiming for with like this three three way relationship between Yonagi, Kuriyama, and Tamaki. But like, I find it really endearing, just like the way that they interact because it's almost like I don't know. Like, even though Yonagi's being like Sundari, I don't see it as like a almost like like a vested like romantic kind of interest but it's more like oh yeah she just wants his, oh, she wants yeah. like his attention uh like in like an older brother or like stepfather kind of way and it's just like oh care more about this look this girl or whatever but like you said you were gonna work with me blah blah, blah. it's like you were gonna play catch with me dad what yeah it does make me wonder like it's it's obviously not romantic feelings like that's very oh, yeah, clear no. but it's like i i do wonder if like Yonagi sees Kurama as a father figure of sorts, because, like, obviously we know her relationship with her actual father is pretty effed up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. it's like, I guess, like, because Kurama had shown, like, such interest in her early on, like, the idea of him being interested in other actors does make Yonagi kind of jealous. And it is kind of that attention, the the fact that, like, I guess, like, Koryama made Yonagi kind of feel like she's special. But, like, when Koryama's, like, mentioned, like, say, like, Tamaki or something, that kind of special quality kind of dims. Yeah. I, I never got an idea of it being uh, romantic either. But, yeah, no, that makes sense. So, and I like that, um, I like that she go again, Yonagi's going whole, like, range of emotions. So maybe she still is on the clock, you know? Because she went from, like... You know, kind of being mad to being, uh, she's still Sundare, but like Yuki's not dialogue, like her narration of the whole thing, you know, as Nagi's like, oh, okay, so you just want me to kind of carry her bags for her, right? That's what you want me here for, right? And then Yuki's like, oh no, she's cynical. Yeah, but after this, like, Kuriyama actually reveals, like, his intention behind Yonagi even participating in this drama, and it's like, he wants Yonagi to steal the show from Tamaki. Like, despite, like, Yonagi's only in the early episodes of the drama because she's just the teenage version before, like, Tamaki takes over the full role. But 
because of that, because like she shows up before Tamaki in the drama, Koriyama wants Yonagi's performance to just be that amazing that even when Tamaki is on screen for the rest of the series, they can only think of Yonagi's performance. And that was just, oh, I love that moment so much. Like, if that's what I have to look forward to in some of the arcs that I skipped, I'm, 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 my body is ready. Because it, it was such a defining moment for both of them. Like, this reminds me back of the stuff I have read, you know, of their relationship. Which is that he has full, he has full confidence in her abilities, even though he's, not, like, constantly reminding her. I mean, he is reminding her of this, but he's doing it in a very subtle way. I want you to be the star. In your own way. You know, yeah, you can't have the whole show, but you can make it so that you leave such an impression that nobody will forget you. And I find that in a in a kind of weird way. Again, not but I find it in the like how do I put this? In a I find that this actually even slightly more it's actually more even more so than just straight romantic. I find that there's just something more to that. That he's like, I believe in your potential so much. That this person that I worked with before, you can be better than that person. In fact, you are better than that person, and we're going to show people that. Yeah, it really kind of goes back to, like, everything Koryama has done in the series up until now has had a purpose. Like, he's not just arbitrarily having Yonagi just do roles for the sake of just money or survival or, like, clout or anything. Like, it's all building her as an actor, and that, while that does benefit him, it also benefits her, too. And, like, even just, like, hearing this from Koryama, like, you can tell, like, it definitely clears Yonagi's mind a lot. Because, like, we have this conversation with uh, Yuki and Yonagi on, like, a rooftop. And, like, she's kind of acknowledging that, like, she's fully aware that, like, what Tamaki was saying to her after the audition was just, like, to provoke her. And, like, she's up for a fight if Tamaki wants it. And she'll give a fight. Yeah, and I like how Yuki like says, you know, she's calling it a fight, so she is bothered by it. <laughs> as much as Yonagi's like trying to play it off, like, yeah, no, I mean, she wants to fight, let's bring it on. I mean, maybe the word bothered wouldn't be, I mean, I, I don't know, and again, I'm up on the toes of translator, they, they've done a great job, but yeah, I, I guess it might be easy to misread that, like, she's bothered in the sense of scared or, you know, um, but I think it's more here that she's more like, she has taken the provocation, which is what Yuki's trying to suggest in this, like, panel where she's like, oh, she is bothered by it. It's like, no, you know, she's acting like, nah, I know she's trying to provoke me, but I'm not provoking. But then she turns out and says, but I'm going to take any fight that she throws my way. So, and I kind of, and I kind of dig that too. And then, um, what I what I kind of like, and we're, we're going page to page. <laughs> but no, just real quick, I just wanted to mention this, which is that like Sumiji in the next page, he's like, okay, I'm I'm gonna be away again, and Yuki's like, well, wait, what, what about me? I'm supposed to go with you, but instead he's like, I need you to support Yonagi, and then your time will come soon enough. And I'm really wondering what that means. <laughs> I mean, I think it's tying back to like the fact that Yuki is also an aspiring director like Kurayama. Okay. So like, it's kind of like fostering Yonagi's talent is beneficial to her because like, she'll have that connection too. And like, Kurayama's not always going to be in the sun. Like at some point, Yuki's going to have to like go on her own and start directing stuff, start 
being involved in the industry independently. So it's I think it's like it's like Koriyama's way of saying like you have to be prepared for that. Okay. What if what if like the final boss is Sumiji as we've been saying it like the boss the the penultimate one is Yuki. Oh my god. <laughs> no, I mean <laughs> I'm partially joking, but at the same time that would be I'd find that really interesting if like before she can be in one of uh Sumiji's movies she has to act in um, one of Yuki's. Yeah, that would be cool. But honestly, going against like the whole idea of like going against Koryama does make me think you're gonna enjoy the Iron Fan arc when you read it. Okay, and I'll, I'm getting really, really excited about what I have to to read next. I think Marion will agree with this, but the Iron Fan arc is just straight up insane. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite arc. Uh, partly because like I'm already a fan of like. Journey to the West and derivatives of that kind of story, but also um, just like the way that it brings in together characters from the arcs before it, it feels really satisfying. Yeah, like I, I said this before, but Actage definitely kind of goes on this just escalation of quality. Like when the Galactic Railroad arc ended, that was my favorite arc, but then Iron Fan came and that easily became my favorite arc by the end just because of how deep it goes into any, everything. And like you said, it like it ties everything that came before it together. Which is, which is something we mentioned last time where it feels like, at least from what you guys are telling me, and of course my experience with the Death Island arc, it feels like every arc could be a reasonable conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> so, which is interesting to think about because you definitely with serialized storytelling, it always feels like you're one cancellation away from having a really shitty finale. <laughs> Look, but it feels like, at least with Actaj, I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just this kind of thing that just is happening due to the very deliberate and pacing. But it definitely sounds as if every arc could be, you know, maybe it wouldn't be satisfying resolution, but it would be a resolution that we could at least walk away from the series and be like, yeah, I'd say Actaj had a good ending. Yeah, but uh, after this moment uh, where... Yuki's kind of flashing back like Yuki and Yonagi decide to do uh, some research on Tamaki and to sum it up Tamaki is a chat among chats yes the people's champion (laughs) 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 yeah no she's she's done a lot she promotes she she debuted at 12 yeah the age of 12 that's yeah and like it even mentions like she her fame like surpasses even Chiyoko who has like basically kind of been the bar at this point for the series in terms of like recognition and yeah it mentions like she's very popular in like public like people don't bother doing like tabloid articles about her or anything because she's like so open about her life and then we literally pan over to a bar where she's playing strip rock paper scissors with people I really want to see one of those ads where it's just like AKB forty eight members hate her. Check out her secret to candle free uh, life. Like, <laughs> oh my god! This <laughs> is funny. It's funny because again, as we mentioned, I mentioned in the last show. This is a scandal arc. Is I mean, going back to tension Octo, a scandal arc is how this series ends. Granted, it's the characters see their way through the scandal and everything works out, but seeing it in in this series where it's like, oh, scandal? Yeah, don't worry about it. 
you know. And I mean, she's spraying strict poker with these guys and winning, I should add. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I mean, that's strip poker, excuse me, strip walk, paper, scissors, wow. But yeah, it's, it's just her like. Acting powers, she, her powers of observation are so fast that she can see what, uh, <laughs> what, what hand they're going to throw and change her figures accordingly at a split second. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, interestingly, Yonagi and Yuki walk into the bar as, like, she's stripping down this one dude. A Tokyo University graduate. I like that they point out this thing. So he's not just a guy. He's a guy with a degree. (laughs) And, like, she just predicted this out of, like, the top of her head. (laughs) I love it. I love it. It's little little details like that that really establish characters in this series, and, and I'm glad that the, they understand that. I love how, like, when they're, like, get into the bar, like, Tamaki's like, hey, we should probably, like, stop this game, because, like, you shouldn't strip in front of a kid. And Yogg's like, I'm not a kid, go ahead and strip. <laughs> was and then Yuki's funny. like, please, please, please don't. Please, no, we're sober. Please, really don't do that. <laughs> Like that whole set of panels is amazing. <laughs> the guy's like, it's not like I want to strip either. <laughs> but yeah, then Tamaki, Yonagi, and Yuki just kind of sit down, and uh, Tamaki's basically pointing out how like Yonagi's kind of hyper focused on uh, her right now instead of like the role itself. Like she's choosing to research Tamaki instead of the character that they're portraying, which was an actor herself, like uh, Manami Yakush- Yakushiji. And then on top of that, too, there's another, this is players, uh, there's going to be a little girl playing her at age eight. Yeah. And like, mm. Tamaki's like, huh, are you going to meet with her, too? Like, she, she's just going into, like, hardcore, like, teasing mode here. Teasing Master Tamaki. Takaki wouldn't stand a chance. <laughs> but I love it, though. It's like, it, this is totally in character for Ren, because she's like, like it, it's, a, it's like what we said earlier. She's not being, it's, it, it could come off as malicious. You could read it that way and not be wrong. But it doesn't really, it doesn't seem to really like, sound like she's trying to be mean. She's just kind of pointing out, you know, these are the things you could be doing. <laughs> She's and they could help you. <laughs> it's like Hermes is saying, aw, you're jealous. How cute. You want some juice, Yonagi? Go ahead. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's very condescending, but in a friendly rival, sports rival kind of way. That's the most part. It's not really animosity at this point. It's just like Tamaki's looking down at, on Yonagi, basically. It's like, Aw, uh, so adorable. Baby's first Taiga drama. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. Like, yeah, she's like, here's I and, and the funny thing is, even in her being condescending, she's kind of showing her the ropes, you know? Like, she's like, you know, you, you, yeah, you could focus on me playing an actual person, so maybe look her up and there's another person in this. You might want to talk to them, too. I, I am fabulous, so you could keep focusing on me. But these were things that you could also do. <laughs> it shows her own confidence in her abilities, too. Because, like, she she knows that, like, she is talented. And, like, yeah. Yonagi is also, like, a talented actor. But, like, she doesn't need to, like, sabotage Yonagi or anything to get her way. Like, 
she'll be fine. But at the end of this chapter, we learn that the child that's going to be playing the child version of Manami Yakushiji is Satsuki Maino from the previous mini arc. And she's like, it's a bit annoying that I have to play Yonagi as a kid, but I also get to play Tamaki as a kid. That's really funny. (laughs) No one's thought about her feelings. And also, I like her banter with her driver, you know, Smith. (laughs) Yeah, like all the CEOs are now calling her, like, Agent Smith. (laughs) Agent Smith, oh my god. (laughs) But yeah, it's thing like I I I I admit I might have like scanned over this because I was calling him Smith <laughs> until I read the chapter again. I was like, oh shit! Because like, I mean, he, he he does come off like he could be a foreigner. So I, I just got the idea he he's Smith. But then I reread the chapter. And I'm like, oh shit, he's not. <laughs> so nice. <laughs> yeah, he's just Roger Smith. He's gonna go bring out oh Big O. Oh my god. You brought the big O back. That, that just you just sent me to the entire my entire souls of Shadow Realm. <laughs> but yeah, she's like I, I like that she's I mean, this is another personality. We got every one of the people playing um Yaku Yaku Yakushiji, they're all like these they're all very, very confident women. And and I gotta say that's kind of awesome. Because, like, even this little girl is, like, she's very cheeky, but she's also, like, you know, Smith is... Because that's what we're calling him, Smith, because his name. Sorry, bro. <laughs> but um, Smith is just kind of like, you know, hey, isn't your mom... Today? She's like, I'm not a child. Why don't you my mom be with me? Why should she come with me to my to my jobs? Yeah, and I love that Tamaki kind of ends off, like, her conversation with Yonagi after this with, like, let's be friends. We're not enemies. The three of us will all play one actor. And she has this the smuggest ass look on her face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then at the beginning of chapter 118, uh, Satsuki finally arrives at uh, the NHK uh, building. Though I just, I just realized it's MHK. <laughs> yes, MHK, bro. Now drink your Beppis. <laughs> I got you some Beppis from Whack Donald's. <laughs> So we can watch our MHK talk and draw together. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, all this time I thought they were just using NHK, but no, they changed it to MHK. Come on, we gotta we gotta watch the the Tiger drama on MHK so that right after we can buy some Shonen Jack. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> we're having too much fun uh, with this, but any, anyways. <laughs> Like, Satsuki's been here before because, like, she plays, like, a, like, bug character in, like, a children's, like, show. And her character, like, uh, her, like, agent's like, you've come here a lot to play that chrysalis. And she points out, I'm not a chrysalis anymore. I'm a butterfly. She sounds so simultaneously very mature and not. And it's really great. (laughs) Yeah. The fact she can pronounce chrysalis. (laughs) <laughs> like, yeah, she she says though, like coming to MHK for a Taiga drama feels way different, and like she continues to call her agent like by Smith. <laughs> Come along, Smith. I'll show you the way of the mighty. Yeah, I love this chapter <laughs> cover too. It's just all of them like close together, like it's like a family show. Family matters. 
or or like you know it's level 16 level 36 i'm yeah. going there yeah <laughs> we got squirtle war turtle and blast toys <laughs> Because the market's like 33. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, wait, wait. Then that would make them total dial. Uh, fuck, what was the second stage of that thing? Because th- it involves a level 32. Crocodile? Oh, yeah, crocodile. Crocodile, yes. Like it's, it involves at 18 and then 32. I mean, Yunagi's almost 18. So, yeah, yeah. and then Sasatsuki's like eight. So, there you go. <laughs> So it's Totodile, Crocodile, and for Alligator. There we go. <laughs> the Yonagi evolution tree. I know. Mean, seriously, when you look at them, they all look like they could be the same person, which they were all chosen to play this uh, Yaku, Yaku Shiji. But I do like this cover a lot, too. And the fact that the chapter title is called Den of Ogres. Yeah, but then we pan over inside the MHK building where, like, Yonagi's trying to propose a plan to Tamaki on how they should approach the role. But then Asatsuki shows up and she's like super excited to see uh, Tamaki again. And she's mentioning how like she's watched like her evening dramas and all that and being like very cute about it. And then like she talks to Yonagi and she's like congratulating Yonagi (laughs) for like getting the role. This was, like, in some chapters, like, that you haven't read, uh, Sakaki, but, like, essentially, Satsuki is supposed to be Yonagi's senpai. Yeah, I kind of, she mentioned it a couple times in this chapter, so I was just like, ah, okay, so I kind of, it's great, because it it, it really establishes their relationship, so I was like, oh, okay. I mean, I didn't get, like, the context, but I knew, okay, so. Yeah, like, essentially, like, yeah. Yonagi was doing like ads, and since Satsuki had more experience doing ads, like she was the senpai. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that kind of thing where it's like the younger, the younger person is the senpai to the older person. I, I always love it. And I love how Satsuki's even chastising Yonagi here, where it's like, how many times do I have to tell you? You have to be grateful to your seniors. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then like you, like are you, are you really just eight? <laughs> and she's like what what are you staring at you still think i'm cute yeah and she's remembering how like she completely forgot about sasuke and then she gives like sasuke a big hug sasuke's like what the hell is this what's wrong with you <laughs> <laughs> the little sasuke's like don't worry as your senpai i'll mediate your relationship with Ren. <laughs> like what <laughs> She's just like so like she's she's the energy this just this this arc. Oh man. Yeah. I, I've only known her for a minute, but if anything happened to her, you know the rest. <laughs> and then like uh Nina from like the audition like shows up because like I think she also got cast in like a different role in the drama, and like you just tell that she's like, What the fuck's going on here? <laughs> Why is there three Yonagis? <laughs> oh, there's Yonagi Senior and Yonagi Junior. Cool. I wish I had brought some Ultra Balls. Could have got myself a for alligator and a Pokemon. <laughs> but yeah, and she even refers to Sasuke as the little chrysalis. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that that's how she remembers. <laughs> I mean, granted, I know that's probably her biggest role, but it's just like you think as a fellow actress, she'd know her name. But like they're they're saying how like uh uh Tamaki kind of has the most leverage like in the production and like how it's like, oh, it's okay for like Tamaki to be late and stuff 
And, like, she doesn't have to worry about anything. But Tamaki quickly refutes this. And, like, we kind of realize why this is, is because the Taiga drama is full of really high, like, status actors. Like, there's people, like, that are famous from, like, the Showa period and, like, other people that are, like, very popular in, like, the comedy and, like, kabuki industries. And, like, even Satsuki is just, like, I don't even know who to kiss up to here. <laughs> it's, like, it's it's sort of, it's it's simultaneously a little depressing that she's thinking that way and also kind of, again, back to being really mature. And, again, it's got that whole shonen kind of overlay text where she's, like, these are the top of the top. Yeah, but, it, like, eventually, like, uh, the scriptwriter of the production, uh, Shiji Kusami, shows up and he- Kusami was initially going to turn down uh, writing the production because, like, he thought he wasn't fit to tell the story of Minami uh, Yakushiji. But then he decided to reconsider because uh, Minami's own daughter is going to play the role of Minami's grandmother, Fumio. And, like, Minami's just, like, super high class about and she's like, oh, Minami was more of a revered teacher to me than a mother. She saw me not as a daughter, as a rival. <laughs> and she even does the same thing as Tamaki did, like, a few chapters ago. And she's like, I would have loved to play her myself if I were 30 years younger. <laughs> and Tamaki's like, yeah, I can relate. She can, she just takes this in stride. And it's like, I, I just love the energy on this page. And everybody's just looking at this like, please step back. Are they about to fight? <laughs> yeah. this is like a straight up like battle manga type situation where you see all like the tough actors in here like all saying ooh scary this person's tough yeah this would be like the pre-battle banter like huh, you know if I were it, it's got the old master but like huh, you know I wouldn't even have to I could kill you in the blink of my eye and then you have the one silent guy that's probably like super talented <laughs> <laughs> He's the little guy from The Simpsons. We were talking about this off mic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to find and watch that episode when we're done. <laughs> I remember that episode, but I'm not sure which season it's from. I don't know either. And like, I was, when I got Disney Plus from my girlfriend when it first came out, I watched the episode that day. <laughs> okay, okay. I think it might be from the episode where, like, I think it was the one where, like, the mob gets involved with, like, Krusty. No, no, it's when um, Marge is selling pretzels. Like, it's a pretzel thing, and then, like, not pretzels. She's selling some kind of snack. And then, like, the other women, they get kind of, like, she's she's muscling in on their territory. So she starts, oh. she starts, she, she asks the mob for help. Oh, and then I think, uh, I think, uh, Millhouse's mom brings in the Yakuza to fight yeah, the mafia. It's Ma- it's like Maude Flanders. Uh, Miss Skinner, uh, Principal Skinner's mom, and one other, probably Millhouse's mom. Then they bring the Yakuza to fight the mob. And then, and then that's when the little guy's like, they're all fighting, and then you just see this little Japanese guy standing there silently staring at everybody. But Marge, the little guy. <laughs> exactly. You know, he hasn't done anything, but you know, when he does something, it's going to be awesome. And then they like go inside. And you hear him screaming and taking out some guy. Homer's like, "Damn it!" <laughs> but yeah, you have this one guy who's just kind of like, I mean, like they, the the dudes are all like rightfully terrified, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh man!" Like you see, like uh, 
Nina's just like here, like, what the crap is up with all these people? And like, meanwhile, Satsuki's more annoyed like, that they didn't get to go to the press event uh, because like they technically have more minor roles. And Yonagi even kind of admits this, like, well, we're really just like the younger versions of Tamaki in this like production. But, like, Satsuki's like, that means nothing. They're gonna pay for not inviting me to that event. And then, like, I like that Yonagi, at first she is kind of, you know, demure about it. But then she's like, then she looks over at Ren and realizes, wait, this is hitting kind of different. I kind of get it. (laughs) We're in the same boat here. And I just, this line is probably my favorite chapter. She was like, yes, it is frustrating to have other people above us. And she's looking at Ren as she says this. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was Ren that was saying that or if it was, like, Yonagi. But I think it was Yonagi. Yeah, I feel like it's Yonagi. It was Yonagi. It's a, yeah, I feel like it, because of the line after that, it had to be Yonagi. Yeah. But it wouldn't be surprising if Ren was, like, it was, the panel was set this way. It kind of implied that Ren might be thinking it, you know, but I don't know. But, and now, Yakushiji's daughter. That's what uh, Yonagi wants to talk to her. Yeah, because I think, like, it's implied here that Yonagi wants to get to understand, uh, in order to understand Manami's character, like, she wants to, like, really be able to converse with her daughter. But then she gives her, like, this death glare. <laughs> yeah, like... like th- she sees right through them. It's, it's again, going back to battle manga. <laughs> You're 500 years too early to attempt <laughs> to play my mother. Exactly! That's exactly what she <laughs> Almost exactly what she says. And Minami's daughter here just goes savage on Yonagi and uh, Satsuki. She's like, oh, it's much too difficult for children nowadays to play my mother. And like she mentions essentially like, oh, these millennials and all their technology and all that. Like, it's going to take quite an actor to play my mother. And, like, she even, like, calls Satsuki a little Arisa. Ju- just because, like, she all she views it, views Satsuki as is just a miniature, like, version of Arisa that Arisa's just fostered. And that that's kind of, like, a low blow there. And, like, you can really see, like, Satsuki's about to cry, but, like, she holds it in. And she just kind of gives a cheerful response back goes to show you that even though she's precocious like this like Totsuki's got this precocious thing going on she acts her age but is very mature too because like it kind of reminds me of um like she could have probably acted out then and you know nobody yeah people probably would look better funny but I mean she's a kid so everybody would have probably just like okay she's a kid of course but the fact that too that she actually even understands <laughs> what um um, what uh, Yakushiji's daughter is saying, like she understands what she's implying as a little kid too. It kind of it kind of reminds me of that piece where Walpole hit Vivi, and like she apologized for getting in his way, knowing that if she said something, she could like start a fucking world war. <laughs> and I think it also really shows, like as much as like the series jokes about it, like in many ways, like Satsuki is kind of a senpai to Yonaki in terms of like professional experience because she understands like these professional dynamics where like usually you can't really just stand up to your superior. That's not usually a good idea. But uh Yonaki obviously does not stick to that because like she like says like, oh the three of us pledge to do the role of Manami justice and when we do, I hope you'll apologize to Satsuki. And she's just like, oh, hell no. (laughs) I love how she just, like, 
talks back and she's like, oh, and who might you be? It's like, who are you? You're nothing. You, you, they do the panel thing again. It was just like where the turn. I mean, it's not a two page spread this time, but like, you know, when Yonagi says that, you can see um, her daughter, the Yaku, Yaku Siji, just like stop. And everybody in the room just. <gasps> and then she just turns around real slow, like, what for you? Excuse me. Yeah, and even like her eyes on this panel, like she's not viewing Yonagi as anything near and equal. She's just viewing like Yonagi as a pest, like below below like any standard that she has. Yo, she's literally like, "Are you an egg trying to approach me?" <laughs> <laughs> but one thing, one thing that really was one thing I love about this though is that she's stepping down. Like they're sitting up, I guess, in like. Um, with desk and Yonagi's on a higher level. So she's literally looking down on her while she's looking up. She's somehow looking up at her while still looking down on her. Oh my God. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's looking so far down on her. She's looking up at this point. She's pulling a Boa Hancock. Like yes. you can't. <laughs> Elevation has nothing on this woman. <laughs> exactly. And that's, that's, that was like my favorite moment. Like, Besides the fact that just everything is going on, just the fact that the composition just knocked that out. But like, I, I love like, because uh, after this, the manga pans over to after the meeting and Satsuki's just like yelling at Yonagi, like, what the heck were you doing? Like, you could have gotten like blacklisted. And like, like, uh, Tamaki is just like, eh, it's fine. All female actors hate each other. This is normal. <laughs> <laughs> She says that's such a throwaway line too. Like, yeah, okay, we, we none of us like each other. You good? Apparently, like some people were like taking this line seriously, and I'm like, no, it's Tamaki just being like Tamaki. Yeah. Who <laughs> taking it seriously though? <laughs> that surprises me. Like, you think by now, even even I, who's known Tamaki for like two chapters, figured that she was just kind of being facetious. <laughs> Yeah, but at last, uh, they finally get to listen to Yonagi's proposal of what what they want to do. And Yonagi says that she wants the three of them to sleep in the same house and eat the same things. Essentially, like, live together where Manami Yakushiji lived. And, like, she wants them all to do this until filming starts. And Tamaki agrees to the idea. That really is Full House. But yeah, we've come we've come to the end of all of these chapters. I mean, I, I don't really like a super whole lot that we have to add, unless anybody has anything in particular. I mean, I think this is a pretty interesting setup for like what we're gonna see from this arc, because yeah, like the fact that like initially we have this kind of animosity of sort, like more towards Yonagi's end, where Yonagi's kind of reviewing Tamaki as an enemy. But now, like, they really have to kind of work together to really give the role of Manami kind of justice. So there's, it's, it's kind of a multifaceted situation because, like, Yonagi wants to be able to beat Tamaki, but they also want to prove that they are actors worthy of this role. So it's like they have to work together, but, like, they're also kind of enemies in a way. Yeah, they have to be on the same page to some extent to be able to, like, actually grasp, grasp the character. But then, if they want to shine, uh, like outshine the other, they have to, they have to do something else. Like, which is, I think, is interesting a way to a way to tackle it. 
um, I'm personally curious to see like how how the how it's gonna be paced. Like how how long are we gonna see like the the setup and like if anything else that they do to like get into their roles before the actual performance. And if we're just gonna if we're gonna spend like as much time watching like Yonagi's side of the performance or like all three of their their performances, even though like they're all they're all staggered and have like different like different like amounts of runtime on the on the actual show. So I'm curious to see if like they're gonna get like the same kind of screen time when it comes to seeing the actual performance. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about because I think earlier, a few chapters back, they had mentioned that the show isn't planned to air for like two years. Oh yeah, that's right. That's true. Like, I'd assume this arc is going to last a while just because of all the filming, but I guess because Yonagi's only in the first few episodes, like, how how much of that is she going to be involved in? And then are we just going to skip two years ahead and, like, see those results? Or, like, h- how is this going to be structured? How is the performance going to be presented? Because before, like, the last two major arcs have both been stage like productions. So like how Matsuki and Usazaki would depict it would just be like straight up showing them. But now we don't really have that because it's a much different medium. Yeah. I wonder if there's also gonna be like uh like side jobs done in between, or like we're just gonna straight up skip to see the actual performance. Because like I feel like there's still a lot to cover in terms of like growth. And just like how she's gonna, well, I'm not sure actually because like we saw like, like throughout like this little, this little section of chapters that like she's leveled up a lot and she has like a lot of like faces to like show to the camera and stuff and like different different uh, facets to to perform. Um, I'm curious like. What kind of what's like the next stage in her evolution as an actor? If it's gonna be like, uh, I don't know, like being able to like blend the the performances in, like more seamlessly, or if it's just gonna be like honing them to like a razor's edge when it comes to like how a certain like emotional kind of investment is gonna be necessary for for the role or something. I don't know. No, that's. I mean, again, I don't have too much to add in, in that regard since I'm catching up to do, which hopefully I can start soon. But I, I, I kind of like the idea from both of you were saying because that's interesting. Because this looks like it sounds like this is going to be the first. Well, I won't say the first, but it's going to be a major arc. It's not a thing that it. it this might be act, act dodge kind of going into its first long game, like. Because, yeah, if it is two years from now that it's supposed to air, and now we're getting to, we're just at the point where they're getting used to each other, then I kind of like the idea of maybe uh, spending more time on that aspect. Because obviously they have to be in sync, you know? Yeah. So that's not something I would want them, I would want Uzazaki and Matsuzaki to just sort of skim over just so we can get to the quote unquote good part. I will want. I will want to. I will want to see that kind of, you know, come act. I would well act out. I would like to see that, you know, actually <laughs> depicted. <laughs> I would like to see that depicted, just because all three Ren, um, Satsuki, and 
uh, Yonagi, they're all very like this. They all have very distinct personalities. Yeah, I think overall this is just a great foundation for a new arc, and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Same. Me too. But I guess before we get out of here, I just wanted to quickly go through uh, Matsuki and Usazaki's author's comments from these chapters, just as a fun little thing. So for chapter 113, Tatsuya Matsuki said that, I just need a bicycle. I can socially distance on and all my hobby needs will be met. I mean, simple guy. Simple wants. I, 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 I was thinking that today myself, I need a bicycle, but yeah. Yeah, and then for chapter 14, uh, Usazaki says that more people are working from home and sending me pictures and videos of their pets through social media. I love it. You can never go wrong with pet photos. No. And then for chapter 15, Matsuki mentions that I'm using Sumo to look for a new place every day. Nowhere in Tokyo gets good sunlight. And Sumo is essentially like a, uh, I think like an apartment searching app. Yeah. And then for chapter 116, Usazaki says, Actage is getting a stage play. I can't wait. Sorry for not mentioning it a few weeks ago. (laughs) (laughs) Which is still kind of funny. Like we're, we're getting like an Actage stage play that's supposed to come out in 2022. Like they're really playing ahead for the series. Like, the fact that they're setting up a stage play that far ahead. But then uh, for chapter 117, Matsuki mentions the weight I've slowly lost by training at the boxing gym versus the stay-at-home period. (laughs) Let's go. (laughs) I relate to that. Same. Same. I haven't even even tried to weigh myself since we've been at Because I know I'm depressed or getting too cocky. (laughs) It's been funny because I've been losing weight while in quarantine. But I think it's because like I've also been like actively trying to go on dieting. But it's like, huh, interesting. I I I'm pretty sure I have too because like the jeans I'm wearing now before was kind of a struggle to get into them, and now I I can just slide right in. <laughs> so like I'm like, and every time I've gone to see my mom, she's always like, "You're so skinny. What are you doing?" <laughs> so I'm pretty sure I've lost some weight, but like I'm also, I mean, I'm eating way less, but. When I do eat, it's like junk. So honestly, half the time I'm just forgetting to eat now because I'm so busy. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. That happens. But then, speaking of staying at home, for chapter one eighteen, Usazaki says, "Staying at home all the time hasn't changed my lifestyle that much. I just have longer hair now. I think that's something that's relatable to most people." Yeah, I need a haircut so bad. I finally had to break down and ask my uncle to cut my hair. My, like, dad and stepmom tried to cut my hair when the lockdown started, and I will never let them touch my hair ever again. <laughs> oh it, it was the worst haircut I had ever seen. Like, I stopped, like, showing my face on video calls for, like, an entire week because of how bad it was. Ooh. I mean, I'm just lucky my uncle used to cut my hair when I was away, so it was just kind of a return to form. But, like, yeah, I don't know why he stopped, honestly. But anyway, yeah, so that's all that was. So I'm happy with that, but oof. Yeah, we've we've gone on for like two hours, though, about Actage. So I think that's a sign that we should wrap up here. All right. Yeah. yeah. So, Marion, where can the good people find you? 
People can find me on Twitter at microwavy the before the beat, and I co-host a buttload of other podcasts. I think they're all linked on my Twitter um, at DoroHidoroPod, at HaikyuPod, at DSlayer Podcast, at Good Friends Cast. They're all there. I uh, sometimes I write, and you can find that on uh, my blog heavensdoorknob.wordpress.com, and I also write for Sakaki on his uh, weekly Shogakukan edition. Uh, I review uh, Shogakugan mangas there sometimes, uh, but he can tell you more about it. Yeah, so Sakaki, where can people find you? You can find me at, well, you can find the the weekly Shogakugan edition at WSS Talkback on Twitter and wsstalkback.blogspot.com. And yes, Marion's most recent review, which is a slam dunk, it's weird to say that because it's about ping pong. (laughs) (laughs) I was close. Wrong sport and wrong series and wrong publisher. So I'm just all the way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there you could check out Marion's review for Ping Pong Volume 1 there. Most recent thing up on the blog is actually one uh, review by Jekka, uh 1021 for Detective Conan. But mostly I talk about Shonen Sunday, um, the magazine that time has forgotten. But lately we've gotten an anime adaption, so that's great. Um, uh, whether it's uh, the like, whether it's news features, all that stuff, I had, I do that there. Uh, you can also find me at Kirobon. Uh, that's my personal Twitter, but there's nothing there, so don't waste time there. Uh, and of course, wasted I'm on clout. DS. With it, <laughs> wasted clout. <laughs> it is wasted clout. I should do more with it. I also host co-host DSP with V Lord and marion which is still a thing <laughs> um and i write for tsunami faithful which i'm currently writing a jojo article about my least favorite part so pray for me because motivation is really hard to find when i don't want to talk about something <laughs> but i'm doing it I'm, I'm, I'm gonna struggle through it are you gonna write his name in the article I already have once, and I feel like I've like opened a tabernacle or something. <laughs> it's just replace it with you know who. <laughs> I wish I could, but there are people who do like him. <laughs> but yeah, that that is where you can find me. And and oh yeah, before I forget, I always plug this. But if you have anything about Shonen Sunday or Shogakukan that you want to write about different releases in different languages, different series. doesn't have to be currently in Sunday. It could be a Sunday 20 years ago. But if you loved it and just want to talk, have more people see it, definitely come and talk to me. We could set something up. Awesome. Definitely follow both of these guys. They're both fantastic people, and they do great stuff. But as for myself, you can find me on Twitter at VLordGTZ. I'm usually on there talking about whatever I'm reading manga-wise, uh, what I'm writing reviews of, and when I'm not sleeping, which is most of the time. But you can also find my manga reviews and light novel reviews over on all-comic.com. I got a lot of those coming out. And I also write anime reviews and editorial pieces for Tanami Faithful. So go check out those on TanamiFaithful.com. But like Sakaki and Marion mentioned... We all host the Demon Slayer podcast, which can be found on Twitter at DSlayer Podcast. And that podcast is streaming on basically everything at this point. So go search for it and listen to our episodes. 
But as far as the Actage podcast is concerned, you can find that on Twitter at Actage Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. And by the time this episode is up, we should be on most podcast streaming platforms at this point. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, you name it, we're probably there. Hopefully, otherwise, we're going to be there very soon. And if there's any platform you want us to be on, just let me know or let the Twitter account know, and we will try to make it happen. But that about does it for this episode, so we will see you guys later. Later. Later.